had an experience the other day that caught my attention and actually kind of troubled me a little bit, an experience that I think many of our listeners can probably relate to, at least the first part of it. It was hard news. It was Stacy bringing to me one evening a couple weeks ago, hey, honey, I heard from some you know family friends uh, of ours live out of town. Not good news. The wife has developed breast cancer. Mm. And of course, my initial reaction is, oh, no, no, Jesus. And let's pray. What can we do? Right. Concern right away, compassion right away, empathy right away. I think that's a universal human experience. But the part of it that troubled me was what I noticed next. And what I noticed next was, man, I'm pretty worn out on hard news. I don't know how much more of that I can handle this week. Don't know that I can take another report, another news broadcast, another cause for heartache. And what I was noticing in my own capacity was that cup in me felt a a little low, maybe very low. (laughs) And, And that was a concern. Friends, welcome to the Ransomed Heart Podcast, John Eldridge. This week with Alan, Arnold, and Alex uh, Burton on our team, because over the past month in different meetings we've been in and stuff, we've been talking about this idea of empathy and what do you do with empathy and, and what does it mean to care, but also care for your empathy, right? Like how do, how do you... How do you shepherd that like you shepherd any other capacity of, of your human nature? And we even had some friends. Yeah, we had a friend write in who was just saying her heart is so for other people, and yet at the same time, it feels overwhelming because you pour out and pour out and pour out, and pretty soon, she compared it to you're trying to help people who are drowning. And ultimately, if you're not careful, that drowning person in their panic is going to pull you down. Right. So how do you actually help them while you still guard your heart, nurture your own heart? Yeah. I think I can identify with that in the sense of, for me, and I'm a pretty highly empathetic person. It's it's one of my biggest strengths. We As a team, we did the strengths finder right. thing the right. other day and just trying to learn about each other and discover, you know, what each of us bears in terms of a strength. And there's like, what, 40, 45, 45 so. different yeah. strengths you can possibly choose from. And in this test that they do, my top five within there, I think harmony was my number one and empathy was my number two. I think for me, sim- similar to the person who wrote in to us, is I think my my empathy can easily be overwhelmed because I will I will engage at a heart level with these different stories and things that are going on around me and pretty soon the effect is this as she's saying this feeling of overwhelm this feeling of man my heart's kind of tanking because of all of these different stories that are pulling on that empathetic gifting, that empathetic life that I have. And so how do you, how do you live well in this category of empathy? So it's an intriguing question. And it's one that I think is going to be more and more pressing for the people of God in the days ahead, because 
unlike any generation before us. The heartache of the world is in our newsfeed on our, you know, right there on our mobile devices, like mm. every day. Mm-hmm. Like literally the pain of every community in the world is now brought to us. Mm-hmm. The human soul was actually never designed for that. We're just not built for carrying the heartache of the world. Only right. Jesus Christ can do that. But that's our daily. That's just normal. I was mm-hmm. just reading a story about uh, the Salvadorian refugees that came here in 2001, and there's a couple hundred thousand of them in the U.S. Uh, due to an earthquake, and now they're being sent back. And the upheaval and the chaos, I mean, that's like 17 years later, and, mm. and now obviously there's all kinds of refugee crises going on with U.S. policy, and right. I, I don't want to trigger all of that, but what I'm pointing out is, oh my gosh, so much to be concerned about, right. so much to care about, more than any other generation before. How do we do that well? What does that look like? And friends, what we wanted to put in front of you in our conversation is the idea of consecrating your empathy, hmm. consecrating your empathetic gifting because we've just learned that we've had to like we're mm. we're deep in kingdom caring we're deep in it and our business is healing human brokenness and so we see a lot of it every year and more and more every year and and the levels of brokenness and trauma do seem to be increasing you know I don't want to be chicken little and and say I think the sky is falling but humanity sure is hurting right and we're deep in it, and over time, we've just learned, oh my goodness, we have to, we actually have to consecrate our capacity to care. So, John, when you say consecrate, talk about that a little more. Give us a few sentences of consecrating. Yeah, I was writing some notes down. It was a little hard in my morning prayers this morning to stay focused on morning prayer, because my thoughts were really excited about this podcast, and I, yeah. kept, I kept getting distracted with, ooh, talk about this, and ooh, talk about that. So finally what I did is I just had a notepad next to me during my prayer time, and I could write a thought down and let it go and get back to focusing on my prayers. But I did grab Moving Mountains because I wanted to read something about consecration. So simply the principle of consecration for any element of your life, all of your gifting, all of your home, relationships, career, this is kind of like a big idea. This is a a principle that we can at least shed a little bit of light on. So reading from the chapter on consecration, the act of consecration is the fresh act of dedicating yourself or your home, a relationship, a job, your sexuality, whatever needs God's grace, deliberately and intentionally dedicating it afresh to Jesus, bringing it fully into his kingdom and under his loving rule. It seems so obvious now that we state it, but you'd be surprised how often this step is overlooked and then folks often wonder while their prayers don't seem effective. And I go on to say, the scriptures respect the power of consecration. On that terrible and glorious day, when the people of Israel witness with their own wide eyes the fire of God come down on Sinai, the day God presented Moses with the stone tablets, before that all took place, Yahweh, 
gave Moses special instructions for his people. And those instructions were, consecrate yourselves. Hmm. Consecrate yourselves because the Lord your God is coming to you. And precisely the same instructions are given again the day before the tribes of Israel cross the Jordan and begin the conquest of the promised land. Joshua says to the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. And what I go on to say is simply this. Because of the collision of the kingdoms, consecration is usually the first act of effective prayer. Until this occurs, it's hard to see anything else good happen. For example, it is essential in healing prayer, where we are invoking the power of God, his radiant life, into a body in order to overcome sickness and restore health. We first need to make sure that the channels for the power of God are clear, and therefore we consecrate the body as Romans urges us. Romans 12.1, offer yourselves to God, Offer the parts of your body as instruments of righteousness, living sacrifices. So what I'm pointing out is before the healing power of God can flow into a body, you often have to rededicate or present or consecrate that body to God and bring it under the loving rule of Jesus. And those would be examples of consecrating anything in our life. Hmm. Yeah, John, can you say more on, you know— this idea of consecration being bringing things under the the rule of Jesus. What are we bringing them from? Where are they? <laughs> like what? Exactly. What, can can you put okay. some more yes. flesh on yeah, that? Yeah. So, for example, in in uh, John fifteen, Jesus says, "Remain in me, and I will remain in you." Uh, you are the branches, I am the vine. Like, you need me. You yes. need my life. You need connection to mm. me, right? I think he says it three or four times in the chapter overall, stay in me or abide in me, remain in me. The obvious implication being we can wander, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. If Jesus right. is urging right. us to yeah. remain in him, it means that we wander off. We you know we we get sidetracked, we get overwhelmed by the world, we get caught up in good things, projects, ministry, caring. And you see a similar principle um, in the epistles when Paul is talking about believers who get all caught up in conversations about kind of weird spiritual stuff. And he says they've lost connection with Jesus, with the head. Yes. And now they're all off on the, kind of these bizarre tangents. And it's just another example of it is possible to wander. Yes. It is possible to, and obviously one of the kind of aha moments early in the ransomed heart teaching on the good heart is it's not what your bad heart's going to get you to do that you shouldn't do. It's often what your good heart is going to get you to do that you shouldn't do, right? We launch into projects, or we take on obligations, or we invite people to come and live with us, or we, we give ourselves into these things without first checking in with Jesus, right. whether that's even something he has for us. That is so helpful, and I think for our listeners, really helpful to the, this idea. I, I think in my own life, before I came to Ransom Heart, consecration wasn't a category for me. I didn't wasn't part of my prayers. It wasn't how I interacted with God. And it's become a very key part 
of my life with God now. And what I would describe is I found myself in those days before this became a category, I found myself in those days often saying things like, I just feel far from God. Mm. I just feel disconnected from God. Mm. I don't feel close to Him right now. And I would do things to try to, you know, I'd read Scripture more. I'd try to pray harder, (laughs) these things. And it's really interesting. And I'm only realizing as we're having this conversation is, oh my gosh, like the last 10 years of Mm. more deeply understanding the importance of a daily consecration of my life with God. So wake up in the morning and Jesus, I consecrate my life to you and I bring my life under your rule, under your authority, under your kingdom, my kingdom under your kingdom, and the effect that that has had of every day I f- like I feel connected to God. I don't find myself saying that anymore. Mm. And um and I think it's this. I think it's a consecrated life. Yeah, it's funny, Alan. You you asked us to talk about consecration. I didn't think the podcast was going to be about that because right. we want to get yeah, to I empathy. Know. But yeah. this is really yes. good because yeah. let me name two more things because to to flesh this out for people. So, first off, we obviously live in a collision of kingdoms, and you have all kinds of forces that are pulling at your life and pulling at the things that you care about your kids their education your health your finances you know your sleep you have all kinds of different forces pulling tugging pushing intruding looking for access or influence i mean the world is certainly trying to demand your attention constantly with clickbait and advertising and all that you know like okay so what consecration does it's partly alignment you are realigning with Jesus and therefore his covering his protection his blessing you are realigning for example if we you know VRBO our home for a week or two you know people come in and stay in your house and holy cow like you don't know what their spiritual deal is or what they're watching while they're in your home. So like you would want to realign your home with Jesus and his rule and his kingdom. Okay, so that's the idea. So part of it, and by the way, I don't VRP out my home, but for that very reason. But some people do, and that's okay. That's okay. It really is. Just make sure you reconsecrate afterwards. So alignment is one idea. The other idea really does have to do with the spiritual war itself is that the enemy is constantly trying to gain what he thinks is dominion or access or permission or influence over some part of your life. And the act of consecration is a way of saying, no, I bring this completely into the rule of Jesus, bring it under his kingdom, and therefore protection, therefore the kingdom of darkness has no right to use that. So, I mean, the glaring example would be sexuality. Whether your sexual life prior to coming to faith in Christ or your sexual life afterwards has been something other than what God designed for human beings, well, that gives the enemy access, you know? It does. Scripture is very clear on that. Sin opens the door for the enemy to come in and really pound us. Well, consecrating your sexuality— rededicating it to Christ, bringing it back into his 
loving rule does all kinds of goodness for your sexuality. Like there's cleansing and there's healing and you're closing the door for the enemy to access it in ways that he used to have access to it. So these are all just pictures of why consecration. The whole thought of how do we become more empathetic, which, you know, as believers, we want to on the one hand, and yet it does feel overwhelming and impossible. But then you look at Jesus in the scripture, and somehow he never seemed totally overwhelmed. Like he was always going after people's needs and caring for them and high empathy, but never taken out or overwhelmed. Okay, that's huge. That's a great example. And so, folks, what we want to put in front of you in this podcast and in the next is the idea, I just don't think most Christians have ever stopped to consecrate their compassion, their empathy, their caring. It just feels like, well, why would we need to do that? That's, you know, that's just, that's this wonderful capacity God has given us. And The answer is everything we've just said in the last 15 minutes, right? Because the world and the enemy and people will try and overwhelm it. I do think that one of the things the enemy is up to right now in the world is overwhelm. Just make people feel overwhelmed. And one way it's very easily done is social media and the access that we have to so much heartache. You know, 100 years ago, you handled, were confronted with, faced, loved, addressed, the heartache of your community. And maybe larger, you know, you got a newspaper once a week, or, but you were living within a much smaller environment, but now it's the pain of the entire world. And so, I do think the enemy's trying to overwhelm us, and I do think, therefore, consecrating your caring, your compassion, your empathy is a really life-giving thing to do. So, John, if, if, if people are hearing this saying, yes, wow, hadn't thought about that, new category, I need to do that, can we, because we will be talking about this over two weeks, um, I think it'd be awesome if, if you could lead people in what a consecration prayer is mm-hmm. for empathy mm-hmm. and, and let them join in. Let, let me do that by first giving you an example. I think we need to do this for any part of our gifting. So if you're a leader, you consecrate your leadership. And if you're mothering, you consecrate you know, your, your parenting. If you're an educator, you consecrate your classroom. You know, we do this everywhere in our lives. We consecrate our finances to the Lord. And I think the act of giving is one of the, is one of the demonstrations of that. Like we are consecrating our finances to you, God. So for example, as a writer, I have a gifting as a writer, I have a calling as a writer, but I'm just walk in and sit down and start writing. I need to bring that into the loving care and provision and union and guidance and connection with Jesus. And so a prayer of consecration looks something like this. Jesus, I present to you my gifting. I consecrate to you. And then what is it? My teaching, my leading, my empathy, my writing. I consecrate this gifting to you. I present this to you. I bring this back under your loving rule, your guidance, your provision, because what I want is for you to fill this capacity in me. So as a writer, I want you to fill this capacity. Or as a parent, I want you to fill my parenting And gang, as we're talking about empathy, what we're saying is, Jesus, I present 
my empathy to you, my caring, my capacity for compassion and empathy. I rededicate it to you. I consecrate it to you because I want it to be in union with you, one with you. I don't want it to just be wandering out there in the world, attaching itself to all kinds of things that you haven't asked me to care about. And so I bring that back into you first for union and then for your guidance and maybe for a lot of us right now for your healing and restoration of my caring capacity, my empathy, for your cleansing, and ultimately, Jesus, for your love and holiness to fill so that it only belongs to you and therefore can't be taken by anything else. Like only you get this gift in me, only you get this capacity in me. That's what I'm doing by consecrating it Come and fill, come and reign, come and rule empathy in me. In your name I pray. I think what we'll do in the second half next time is just begin to unpack what that does for a human being and how that plays out and what that might look like and this, that, and the other circumstances. But apparently what we needed to do this first week was talk about consecration. So there's your little tutorial on that, but with regards particularly to caring, compassion, empathy, that whole capacity. I just know I'm not alone in people feeling like, man, that's really getting sapped out there and pulled on by a hundred different things. There's a passage at the end of Matthew that I don't like. It says that the love of many will grow cold in the last days. And it's because of the overwhelming nature of evil in the world. Well, what evil does is cause harm. And what harm does is overwhelm our compassion and empathy to the point where it's like, I just can't take it. I don't like that passage. I don't want that to happen to me or my friends. And so we're going to pick up the conversation about caring and empathy and consecration in the second half of this. You've been listening to the Ransomed Heart Podcast with Alex, Alan, and John.